your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8. An incident that took place in the life of the prophet Elijah, and I'd like to share it with you this morning. From the Word of God, 1 Kings 17 and 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. I guess you could say she was down to nothing. But God was up to something. And I want you to understand this morning, and I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost on this message already. You may be down to nothing, but God's up to something. And that's the word of the Lord for you right now. No matter where you're at, how far down you are, God's got a plan, and he wants to show you that plan. All you got to do is hang around long enough till the promise comes walking down the dusty road. And there it will be given to you. And I want to communicate to you the zero factor of faith and how it operates and that principle of faith that operates in the scripture. And I call it the zero factor of faith. Let's lift our hands and ask God's anointing upon his word. Jesus, I thank you for your word. It's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I want you to do exactly what you have come to this place to do today. God, we must be used of the Lord or it cannot happen if you don't use our ministry, our words, and our efforts, they will fall short of the mark. They will miss the mark. They will not do the work that is supposed to be done. But if you will use us, God, if you will take our words as a sword in the hands of the Spirit and minister to people's hearts, then it will find its mark, it will do its work, and your name will be glorified, and we will praise you for it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe God's got something great in store for the Texas Bible College. It's obvious that the enemy wants to work against this training facility that's preparing people to enter into ministry. But you know that when you engage yourself in that kind of spiritual ministry and activity, the devil's going to do everything he can to stop it and detour you. But I've got good news for you here this morning. My God is going to fight your battle for you, and he's going to be with you in this engagement because there's a holy anointing on this college and I'm not just saying that because I'm here right now 
I've never been here before, and I didn't really know what to expect, but I was just blown away by the tremendous anointing that I felt when I walked in here last night. And I want you to know that anointing, it might be operating a little differently this morning, but it's just as powerful right now as it was here last night. We need to allow the anointing to operate differently according to the need because my God can meet your need no matter what it is. At any time, anywhere, my God can meet your need. We just need to turn the anointing loose and let it adapt itself to whatever crisis we might be facing. I'll tell you why there's an anointing here is because several people have already commented on it. There's faith in this place. And because there's faith, God always responds to faith. He doesn't always respond to needs. See, a lot of people need God, but God doesn't automatically meet their need unless they release their faith and they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about faith in positive thinking, and I'm not talking about faith in faith. I'm talking about putting your faith in the right place, and that's in the established Word of God. You can't just put your faith in anything and it work. It's got to be placed and positioned at the right place. You've got to deposit your faith in the right bank, and that bank is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that can comfort us in the midst of crisis and no one else. So you know what I want you to do? I want you to take the faith that you've got and put it right in Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, you're my friend. You're going to walk with me. You're going to talk with me. And you're going to walk me through this crisis one step at a time. There's faith in this place. We just got to get it in the right place. You've got faith. I can feel it in your life right now. You just need to deposit it in the right bank and draw the interest off of it. I'm telling you it's going to pay great dividends because you've got to understand that God has engineered this thing to work. Every man's got to measure faith because when you got in your car, vehicle, Ford Motor Company, Chrysler Motor Company, doesn't make any difference, and you put the key in the ignition and turn it on, you expect it to work. And if it don't work, it shocks you first and aggravates you second, and you may just have a few choice words to say about it. And you know that there's just that aggravation because you expected it to work. It's engineered and crafted to work. So when you put the key in it, you expect it to work. Well, I want you to know that a master engineer built this church and engineered it to work. That any time you take your faith and insert it in the right place and turn the crank, it will work. It doesn't make any difference whether you're in Poland or whether you're in Houston, Texas, or where you go. Faith in Jesus Christ will always work. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let, let's read that verse again in Jude 20. 1 and 20, but, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You need to watch what you use to build yourself up with. You can use the wrong thing. You can entertain yourself. You can use a lot of things to make yourself feel good about yourself, but I want to give you the right way to build yourself up. If you're going to build yourself up, do it with the right tools and on the right foundation, and that is on your most holy faith. 
you're going to get excited about anything and enthused about anything and built up about anything, it ought to be the Word of God and what you know Jesus Christ has done for you through Calvary. If you're going to get excited about anything, it ought to be about what Jesus is doing in the earth and not about what the devil's doing in the earth. I know the devil's at work, but God's at work too, and I'm going to join his force and be with him and do his work and let him use me to accomplish it. I think we ought to build ourselves up and know that God never makes a mistake and he's going to walk with us no matter the crisis or how bogged down it may seem we get. God's here and he's going to work with us and he's going to accomplish his purpose right now in this service here today. If somebody will put their faith in the right place and say, I'm going to build myself up on my most holy faith. So the greatest thing I can do for you here today is to build your faith. And there's only one way I can do that, and that is through the preaching of the Word of God. Now faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I can do all this self-help business, and you can go down to Walden Bookstore and beat Alton Bookstore and get all the stress help tapes and the self-help tapes and do all of that and try to make yourself a success. But that's all going to break down, especially when you put that little stress tape help help tape in the tape deck while you're driving down the highway and listening to the little waterfalls and everything's so cool and then all of a sudden the, the tape gets stuck in the tape deck and you're right back to stress level. I'm going to tell you what to help your stress. Why don't you come to an apostolic church service, get a hold of the power of God. Let me give you the best self-help you can ever find anywhere and that's to come to the cross of Jesus Christ and there at the foot of the cross, give your life to him, give your ambitions to him, give your desire for success to him, and say, God, make out of me anything you want me to be. We're going to get built up here. Let's do it right. Let's build up ourselves on a foundation that cannot be shaken by earthquake, by crisis, by wind, or by storm. And that is on our most holy faith. Hallelujah. It's Jesus. He's the one that we worship. He's the reason why we're here. We're not here because of what somebody else has done for us. We're here because of what he has done. Hallelujah. You say, but Brother Kinsey, I feel like I'm at zero. I feel like I'm down to nothing. I want you to know that's a good place to be. That's exactly when God steps in and begins to work. He doesn't work as long as you feel like you can handle it by yourself. You think you can handle the problem by yourself, he just turns it over to you and lets you handle it. And then he doesn't interfere with it until you exhaust all your resources and you come back to him and say, I don't have enough. I can't make it by myself, Lord. And then God says, well, that's about where you needed to be all along. If you'd have woke up to that sooner, I'd have stepped in sooner. You've got to get to the end of your resources, your energy, and your ability, then turn it over to God and watch what he can do with your life. Say, but I'm down to nothing, but don't forget God's up to something. God's got a plan, and that promise is walking right now down the dusty road, just waiting, waiting on you to hang around long enough so he can catch up with you. Anytime anybody has ever been down to nothing and at zero in the scripture, that has been the place where God has stepped in. When they got the number of their military down low enough so God could work and get the glory out of it, that's when they attacked the Midianites and were delivered of them with 300 men without swords, just simply blowing trumpets and breaking pictures 
and signing and, and just shining their light in the midst of the darkness, that's when they got the victory. And I want you to know we got to reduce ourselves down to nothing and say, God, I can't handle this by myself. I can't do it by myself. Texas Bible College doesn't have enough learning and doesn't have enough education to handle crisis by itself. You need God to come alongside you just as well as I do and anybody else does. you got to have God to anoint what you're doing, to anoint your mind and your spirit. Hallelujah, I've prepared myself to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but all my preparation's not good enough uh, unless God steps in and comes alongside me and anoints me and helps me. I love the word of God and that word is to you right now. You might be down to nothing, but that's a good place to be because God can step in and show you he's got a plan. He's got a plan and that plan is not going to be your defeat. Well, I want you to understand something about this zero factor and getting down to nothing because a lot of things can bring you there. A lot of things can tear you down. And, of course, we got tragedies and, and we've got crises and circumstances that can bring us down to nothing. But you also know the judgments of God can bring you down to nothing. The judgments of the Lord can bring you down to nothing. But Jesus said, without me, you can't do nothing. And God, through the power of his word, can recreate anything that's destroyed by his judgment because judgment is not final when you understand the power of his creative word. His word can speak into you light in existence where there was darkness before. There's power in his word to do that. Now, right now, while I'm preaching the word of God to you, now faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. While I'm preaching the word of God to you, through the word, light can come into your darkness right now by you just mixing your faith with the word. Preaching alone is not good enough. You've got to mix something with it to turn this thing into the explosive power that it was designed to be. If I'm just speaking the word of God to you, it might be the genuine word. But if you don't have any literal faith in what the word says, it's not going to work. I can preach to you. You can get the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues all I want to. But if you don't put your faith with it, you're not going to get it. But just because you don't mix your faith with it doesn't mean the person sitting next to you can't. Because God's going to individually judge us all as individuals. And if you've got faith in the Word of God, it can happen for you just exactly as the Word declares. If you've got faith, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. person sitting next to you don't believe it, they don't believe God can minister to them, doesn't believe God can fill them with the Holy Ghost. i got news for you, they're not going to get it. But if you believe it, you can get it. It's just that simple. And you've got to get down to nothing where you say, God, I know that judgment has come into my life and brought me where I'm at, but I do believe there's still power in your word to recreate out of my broken life something that will live for your glory. And I just want you right now to hear that God is ready to minister to somebody in this place and lift you up out of that ruin of all that life has done and bring you to a higher dimension to the glory of Jesus Christ. My Bible says, you shall abide in me and my word abide in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be what? 
done unto you. Done. And I looked up that word done because I want to know what's going to get done to me before it gets done to me. And that word done, I can't pronounce it, but I can spell it. G-I-N-O-M-A-I. And it means, it's actually a word for creation, and it means if it does not exist, I will create it for you. Now, I want you to put that back in the verse. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, this is John 15 and 7. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And if it doesn't exist, I'll create it for you. If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet, friend. There ought to be something that'll burn in you. You know what you need. You need the word to abide in you. You got a lot of things that'll take the word out of your mind. Steal the word away from you. David said, I stuck to thy testimonies. We need some super glue on the promises of God and the word of God to stick to our mind that when we're going through a storm, the winds and the waves can't wash it and blow it away. I promise you, you let the word get a hold of you right now, and this word from the Lord, and it'll turn you around and put some light in the midst of your darkness and create something out of nothing because judgment is not final because there's redemption. God's got a plan of redemption, and he has power to create something out of nothing. And because of the power of creation, I can declare to you safely that my God is able to step into your down-to-nothing situation and reveal he had a plan all along. My God's never without a plan. Even though judgment has touched a person's life because of sin, that doesn't mean they've got to stay there. And sin can also come into a person's life and bring them down to nothing. We see the sin of Adam and Eve, but we also see a plan of redemption. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We know that God's got a plan of redemption, that sin it does not have to be fatal. People don't have to go to hell and be lost because they sin. There is a plan of redemption, and it is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the power of the blood, I can declare to you now that anybody that has sinned can repent and confess those sins, and they can be forgiven of them. Sin can reduce you down to nothing and strip you of everything. Alcoholism. I want you to understand there is a difference between the judgment of sin and the judgment of God. When alcoholism reduces a man down to nothing and he becomes a wife beater and a child beater, that's not the judgments of God on that family. That's the judgment of sin. Sin did that to man, not God. Sin did that to man. When a man smokes cigarettes and he ends up in the hospital and he's dying, that's not God's judgment on him. That's sin doing that to him. That's the devil doing that to him because of his sin. Sin has its own judgment. But there's a remedy for sin because Jesus died at Calvary. They don't have to die lost. They don't have to die and go to hell. And I'm so glad Sister Griffin, who was washed in the blood of the Lamb, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. One day when that trumpet sounds, she's going to rise from her grave and she's going to live eternally forever with the Lord.
because she has had her sin problem dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Ghost. You can't keep a saint down long because God's got a plan of recovery to bring them out of their nothing situation to a higher dimension. God's got a plan for your life. I know you're making some tough decisions right now at the end of the year, especially for the seniors, but you hear me. God's got a plan for your life. You might feel like you're down to nothing, but that's a good place to be if you turn to the Lord and build yourself up on the right foundation. Nothing wrong with building yourself up as long as you do it right. As long as you do it right. So beautiful. You may be seated for a moment. But there is another condition that brings you down to nothing. We talked about judgment, circumstances, crisis, trial. All of that can bring you down to nothing. But there is another condition. You don't have to sin to get to the zero point. You don't have to have judgment. You don't have to have a crisis. You don't have to have all of that. As a matter of fact, there's another place that you can go. That you can get down to nothing. That all of these factors don't have to be a part. And this is the powerful part of the message. And this is what you need to get. This is what you got to get a hold of. And that is, it is illustrated by this little bit of woman. I've heard all my life, how could Elijah ask for the last little bit of meal and cake for that woman? And then she was going to die. He, he took their last cake. I read it to you. You probably didn't hear it, but I read it to you. God commanded that woman to do this before that prophet ever showed up. She was picking up two sticks in the process of obeying her God when the prophet showed up with the promise walking down the dusty road. Now, what you got to understand is that what puts you at zero is you're obeying God and stepping into the process of obedience. Now, sometimes obedience is not just you obey God and then God performs a miracle. Sometimes it's a process. And you've got to work through the whole process. Sometimes God doesn't deliver you from your crisis. He likes the way you're improving and developing, so he leaves you in it. I mean, there's been sometimes, Brian, you're praying so much and you're doing so good, I think I'll just leave you there for a while. Please, God, I'll do anything. God's not so much interested in delivering you from your circumstances as he is in developing your character. It's something you're not going to get out of until you start getting into the process of obedience and working your way through it. But come on, just keep picking up your sticks. Before it's over with, the Holy Ghost is going to come down and show you, I got a plan. I got a plan. Oh, friend, I want you to know when you're in the process of obedience, I don't care how many times you go back to the barrel. The resources will never be exhausted. They will always be replenished because God's got a plan to replenish what you use and exhaust for his cause when you're obeying his command. There's always some oil. I don't care how dead that church might be. There's always an anointing somewhere. If you're obeying God, there's an anointing oil somewhere for that local church. There's no dried up field. There's no burn over field. There's no church that can't produce. If the right man with the right attitude.
attitude and faith in God shows up. And he's obeying God to be there. God will use him. He's got a plan to recover a bride for his namesake and pull out of that city. Well, it, it's illustrated like this, and we've got to illustrate it like the book of Deuteronomy does. The blessing shall overtake thee. Now, what you've got to understand is overtake thee is just an Old Testament way of saying in our lingo that if you hang around long enough, it'll catch up with you. All right, you go over there. You're the blessings of the Lord. Now, now get over there. Now, listen to me. Follow slowly behind me. Stop when I stop. Don't catch up with me, all right, until I get past the pulpit. When I get past the pulpit, run up behind me and scare me. You got it? All right, all right. Hey, amen. Now, you got to start in the way. You don't see how God's going to work it out. You don't see the plan, but you got to start the process of obedience. you got to start picking up sticks. As far as you're concerned, literally speaking, it's the last cake. It's the last meal. There's nothing left after this, but you keep praising the Lord. What you don't realize is that the blessings, don't take that big of a step. Blessings don't ever move that fast, I promise you. Mm, they always move slower than that. And I just want you to understand that as soon as you started the process, the blessing was loose from its heavenly place, following you around, waiting for the prescribed moment when God has designed for it to catch up with you and overtake thee. So what you got to do is you just got to keep praising the Lord. Keep glorifying God. You can move a little now. Hallelujah. Keep praising Jesus. Keep magnifying his name. Say, well, I don't see how God's going to work it out. I don't know how God's going to work it out. You may not see it. You may not know it. But you know this. By the word of God, God's got a plan that he's going to use to overtake thee in the way. Your job is to continue the process. Your job is to keep trying no matter the crisis. Keep on trying and saying, I'm going to stay around long enough till God shows up with the promise. So when you take that step forward and you believe God and you're trusting Jesus, and sooner or later, as you begin to glorify God and continue the process, the blessing's going to, oh, hallelujah, overtake thee in the way. Some of you don't realize it, but a miracle of anointing has been following you around. You don't realize it, that in the midst of this tragedy and crisis, God's already loosed a miracle from his heavenly place, and he's been following you around, waiting for the prescribed moment to catch up with you. Hallelujah. You just got to stay in the process. You say, Brother Kinsey, why do we have to go through a process? It's so beautifully illustrated in the miracle that Jesus performed in turning the water into wine. It was so beautiful that when the wine finally showed up after the miracle had taken place, the master tasted the wine and said, you saved the best for last, but he did not know what had happened. But the Bible specifically says the servants knew. 
They were the ones that had carried the vessels. They were the ones that had gone through the whole process of obedience to the commandment of the Lord. They knew where the miracle had come from. Whereas the other, they tasted the sweetness of the wine, but never got the revelation of who did this, why it was done, or how it was done. But the servants knew. Some of you, you see, you'll never know that God's worked unless you go through the process. You'll never know that it was God all along. You'll never see the divine hand of God working out mysteriously behind the scenes. But when you're in the process, you'll know God did it. You'll know this didn't happen by the hand of man. This didn't happen because of ordinary human means. This happened by divine, miraculous intervention. I know where this is coming from. I know what you've been through in the last 24 hours. Somebody else may not know, but what's happening here today is the hand of the Lord intervening. You got to obey God. And you got to get down to a point where you learn that prayer is not trying to make God do anything. Prayer is not a Santa Claus list. Prayer is not bringing your list to Santa Claus so he'll fulfill your Christmas wish. But prayer is literally opening yourself to what God's been wanting to do all along. Prayer is just giving your life access to a mighty God that's been dying. As a matter of fact, he did die so that he could have that kind of access. And you can just open yourself up to him through prayer so that you're inviting God and giving him permission to step into your crisis. Saying, God, I've got a crisis. I just can't handle it. And when you can admit you can't handle it by yourself, you're down to nothing. When you admit, say, God, I don't have enough and I don't have what it takes to make this thing work. But you do, Lord. That's a good place to be. You're down to nothing. Now God can do something with you. As long as you think you're smart enough in yourself and you're good enough in yourself, God's not going to work. But when you get down to nothing and say, I can't handle it by myself, and you get down in earnestness of prayer and get, open your life to God and say, God, step into my life. I want to give you access to my life. I want to show you who and what I am, Lord. Prayer gives God down to nothing, get down to zero, saying, God, I'm picking up my last two sticks. I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord, but you step in my life. He'll do it. And he'll step into your life. Where's my blessings? Blessings, I want you to get up and I want you to walk around the building. I want you to meet me down the middle aisle. Go slow. Blessings don't move too fast. I want to show you that God's already got a date marked on the calendar when the miracle's going to show up. He already knows exactly the time he's prescribed. And all you got to do is stay in the path long enough for the blessing to show up. God's got it marked down. You just have to position yourself and make sure you don't go to the right and you don't go to the left. Don't get out of line. Don't go here or there and say, well, God's failed me and he's never showed up on time and get a bad attitude toward God. And as Brother Enzi so beautifully said it this morning, we don't want to charge God foolishly. But we want to do the right thing. But we want to stay in the way. Just keep praising the Lord. 
Now, you cannot keep that barrel of meal from wasting, and you cannot keep that oil of cruise keep going, but you can pick up two sticks and keep praising and glorifying the Lord. No, you can't perform the miracle and fill people with the Holy Ghost and make it work, but you can pick up sticks and clap your hands and look like you're excited and get a smile on that face of yours instead of... Because one day, you're going to meet up with the miracle. One day, it's going to come and show itself to you. The promise is going to come walking down that dusty road. And you and the miracle joined together are going to see the work of God prosper and fulfilled to the glory of the name of Jesus. All God's waiting on is for you to hang around long enough. Don't give up just because the way gets tough. Don't give up just because you're at your last and you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Don't give up because my God's got a plan and he can replenish anything you give to his cause. He will replenish it so you'll have enough to give it again. I learned this principle as an evangelist the last four years and even as youth secretary. I've been running from one place to the other wondering how I'm going to have enough emotional energy to stand up before one more congregation, meet one new congregation, a bunch of wonderful young people. How am I going to do this at TBC? And when I exhaust and I come to the limit of all of my figuring it out and saying, God, if you don't move, it's not going to happen. God, I'm ready. I got the message. But you see, you can have the message and be so drained emotionally, you're not worth a flip. And half the time, it seems like I'm not worth the flip. But God somehow steps in and he becomes my paraclete or my comforter and comes alongside me and says, now let me just walk you through this step by step. Just come alongside you. I promise you, my God will come right alongside you. And he said, now take the step there. Now watch that there. You step there and you're going to end up in trouble. But you step right over here. He's going to walk you one step at a time. He may not do it one day at a time, but he will take you one step at a time. He'll show you exactly where to step and where to go. How to get through the crisis. But we got to handle one more problem. One more. There's two sticks here we got to pick up. One's the process of obedience, but what's this other stick? You've got to understand that we all struggle with doubt at times. And God does not reject you because you struggle. we got to understand this. Now, there was a man that brought his son to the disciples, and they tried to catch the devil out of his son, but it couldn't, didn't work. He failed. The disciples failed to cast out the devil. The Bible says so. They failed. Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration being transfigured in his glory at the same moment the disciples were failing. You know what's good about that? doesn't make any difference whether the disciples succeed or fail. It's not going to stop the glorification of Jesus Christ. Jesus will be glorified. Jesus will be glorified. So Jesus comes off the Mount of Transfiguration. Man brings his son to Jesus. said, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. They failed to do the miracle. What are we going to do? And the Lord said, only believe. Now, I've got to show you what only believe means. He said, only believe. He said, but Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. I want you to come up here, unbelief. You're doubt. She was the devil last night. You're going to be doubt. 
You're the blessing. Come on up here. You're going to be faith. Now, here, here we have, we've got faith and we've got doubt fighting on the inside of the same man. All right? Your faith and your doubt. And y'all kind of wrestle just a little bit. All right, that's enough. That's enough. All right, just calm down. They've been wanting to do this for a long time. Now they got permission. All right, now here they are wrestling. Now Jesus has got to make a choice. He's got to choose between them. Now which side is he going to take? We've got faith and we've got doubt working on the inside of the same man. He's got a choice. Is he going to say, because there's doubt, I'm going to join with doubt and I'm going to defeat his faith and we're not going to heal his son? Is that the choice that Jesus is going to make? Now this is what it means to only believe. It simply means to get so honest with God that you admit you've got to struggle. And not try to cover it up with this super spiritual, I believe everything all the time. I want you to know that there are times when everybody struggles. Even Brother Kenzie and everybody in this building struggles with that doubt that tries to creep in and defeat your faith. But I want you to know if you can get honest with God and say, Lord, I'm not going to do this without you. I can't do this. Help thou my unbelief. That's where, that's what changed it all right there. You see, it wasn't the fact that God said, well, I saw a little bit of faith and I saw a little bit of doubt and I think I'm going to side with doubt or side with faith. It was the fact that the man asked for help. Mm, and that's what you got to do. You got to get so honest with God that you admit, I need help. Now, y'all just wrestle just a little bit, not too seriously now. Now, Jesus is going to come in and break up this little struggle. But I'm going to show you what Jesus did. He sided with faith and say, I found faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. We're going to beat up on this doubt. Bam, bam. Hallelujah. Whoa. We're going to beat up on this doubt and defeat it right now. That's enough, y'all. Some of you are struggling right now. You don't see how God's going to work it out. You're worried because you got a little doubt working there and you're thinking God's going to reject you because you're in a struggle. My God's not going to reject you because you're struggling, but he's going to come alongside you. He will join with your faith if you will get honest enough with God to admit you need help. I've been preaching since I was 13 years old, full time since I was 18. I've been preaching... For now, some 20-something years. <laughs> I've been preaching a long time, and I've been full-time a long time. But I'm going to tell you, you always need the help of the Lord. Don't make any difference how much you preach. Doesn't make any difference how great the move of God is. Every day, I still need the Lord just as much as I did the day before. Doesn't make any difference how great the event is, how great the anointing is. I still need God the next morning when I wake up. Because when you come out from underneath that great anointing and the great event is over with, you're always left with just a little bit of emptiness that says, I still need more. I still need more. You know why? Because we have not made it home yet. I don't ever want to get satisfied with any church service down here because this is not my home. I'm just passing through. But one day, I still got a longing for a place where there is no sickness and nobody's going to die. I don't know how you feel about it, but I still got a longing for a place called heaven. I have.
haven't made it home yet. I'm not saved yet. I'm not there yet. But I'm on my way and I hunger for it. No matter what your struggle is, my God can meet your need. If you will just confess, pick up your sticks, say, I will, I will work through the process and I'll get honest with God. I struggle sometimes, Lord. And I, I, I believe, but sometimes, you know, the crisis and the weight gets a little heavy. And I just doubt whether you're going to use me and, and help me. And, and all you got to do is say, Lord, help me. Help my unbelief. That's all he needed right there is an invitation to help your unbelief. Now, oh, does he help unbelief? <laughs> does he know how to help unbelief? Because he'll join up with faith and whoop that doubt and defeat it in Jesus name oh and all you got to do is believe it say God help me and God will help you I want you to stand to your feet right now and let God help you let God help you I want everybody in the house to take the hand of somebody standing next to them and I want you to pray right now and believe God I want you to take their hand right now and I want you to believe the Lord right now and I want you to ask Jesus right now to step out from his glory and help your unbelief I know you're hurting today you wouldn't be human if you weren't I know you grieve today. You wouldn't be human if you weren't. Yes, you're concerned and you're burdened. No reason to apologize for that. We understand that perfectly. God does too. He sees your struggle. Why did this happen, Lord? Even Jesus asked why when he was on the cross. He said, why hast thou forsaken me? If the master of the universe asked why in his humanity as he died on the cross, I promise you that everybody in this building at some time or another is going to ask the question why. If Jesus asked why, you will ask why. But know this, my God's got a plan. The plan goes beyond the cross. The plan goes beyond the suffering. The plan goes beyond the tomb. The plan continues through the resurrection. The plan continues through the exaltation of Jesus Christ. The plan continues as Jesus will return to the earth to catch his bride away. Yes, the plan continues. He's never out of alternatives. He's never out of options. No matter what choice the world and the wicked may make, God's never out of options to deliver the godly out of temptation. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. God knows how. You may not know how. Mary asked the question, how shall this thing be? But you see, the answer came. It's of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to birth in you to birth in you the purpose and the promise 
that God has in store for you. But we got to get honest. You got to get honest. You got to obey. If God says pick up sticks, you pick up sticks. If God says pray, you pray. If God says clap your hands, you do it. Whatever God tells you to do, you do it. You obey it. God says, leave it alone and don't do anything with it. You don't do anything with it. You don't touch it. Whatever God tells you to do, you do it. But I want you to commit right now in your spirit, and I want you to make a move toward the front. If you want to get honest with God and get to the zero point where God can step in and work out your problem and work out your crisis, then I want you to step out by faith right now. I want you to ask God to help you in your struggle. Help my unbelief, Lord. There's not a one of you that hadn't fought unbelief at one time or another in your walk with God. Or unbelief trying to encroach upon your faith and snuff it out and choke the life out of it so you wouldn't have faith in God. I ask you right now to step forward and let Jesus minister to you. Let Jesus work through you. Go ahead. Let him do in you exactly what the word of God declares he will do. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead. Admit your struggle. Go on. Confess it. Get honest. But don't forget to obey. Ask for God's help. Ask for the paraclete to come alongside you and, and walk you step by step through the crisis. That's it. Let's apply the principle of the altar attitude we learned last night. And let God impart the spiritual balance that we need in the Holy Ghost. To bring about a deliverance a replenishing of our energy and efforts.
lay hands on your friend that's kneeling next to you, standing next to you. Lay your hands on them right now. And let's believe that God would minister greatly to them. Go ahead and let's trust the Lord right now in Jesus' name. That's it. Let the Spirit of the Lord come on you right now. Let the victory of Jesus come upon you right now. Let the name of Jesus be exalted in your life. That's it. Pray for one another right now. Ever sin, ever sickness, ever
Praise God. Go ahead and let God minister to you right now. Go ahead and let God touch your life and minister to your spirit and lift you to that higher dimension. Yes. That's it. I know you're struggling. You feel like you failed. You laid hands on somebody and it didn't work. You had a crisis and a tragedy that you can't explain. You don't know why it's happened. Nobody can explain it. I can't. Nobody can. But God can come alongside you right now and work you through it and take you one step at a time and show you exactly how to work through it. You got to go through the process to know where the miracle came from. You'll never know where it comes from until you go through the process. You'll never get the revelation. You may taste the sweetness of the wine, but you'll never know its source. You'll never be able to go back and make it happen again. You know the source. You can always go back again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want everybody to stand right now. I'm going to turn the service in just a moment to Brother Enzi. Praise God. I know some of you are looking forward to a summer of ministry. Some of you are seniors and will be going on doing other things as God directs. Seeking for different fields of labor. God will open the door as he sees fit. But there's a process that every one of you are going to have to go through. Process of learning. Process of growing. As long as you will position yourself in the spirit to allow God to correct you and make mid-course corrections. You'll let God constantly adjust your attitude and spirit and direction. I promise you, you will never, ever go wrong. Humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, anytime you want to correct me. Sometimes the, the instrument he uses to correct us is not acceptable. Correction is, but the instrument he uses is not. You need to get to a point where you allow him to use whatever instrument he chooses. Sometimes, you know, I have to admit some people are right. I just don't like the people who are right. But God puts them in my life anyway and says you listen to their voice and you do the will of God because it's the right thing. Let God do that for you. And I promise you that if you stay in the process and you let God constantly adjust and correct you and send you to the new place, once the brook dries up, no sense standing around there, go on to the widow's house. Do what God tells you to do. And I promise you, the Lord will help you. It doesn't make any difference how good the miracle is today. There's going to come a point when that miracle's over and you got to go on beyond that miracle. Because we hadn't made it home yet, friend. And no miracle, you're going to be able to build a memorial. Wasn't that so good? What Brother um, Anderson said last night about the memorial. We want to build a memorial, but friend, you can't do it. Because you don't know the crisis you're going to face two weeks from now. You don't know what kind of miracle you're going to need three weeks from now. You don't know. But if you learn this, when the brook dries up, move on. When this is over, let's go on to the next great thing. Let's go on to the next thing, what God has for us. Keep going. Because God's going to use you. God's going to keep you. He's going to protect you. He didn't put you in this church to leave you. He didn't put you in this church to leave you dying and hurting and 
not knowing where to go and not knowing how you're going to be used, step into the process. Yes, there's going to be things you don't understand. There's always going to be things you don't understand. But understand this, God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. He knows how. You don't, but he does. <laughs> Follow him. Stay in the process. He's already got it marked on the calendar. You just hang around long enough till you see the promise coming walking down that dusty road. He may ask for your last cake, but you better give it to him because I promise you every time you go back to the barrel, there'll always be another meal. Every time you go to the cruise, there'll always be another anointing. That will work on your behalf. God bless you. I love you.